0: Hey folks, it's Adam Summer for the Heartland Pod. This is the Tuesday, July 19th episode for the Heartland Pod, and this is a Let's Have a Chat edition. Today's show is a chat from Kevin Smith. He is our normal Friday show host for the Flyover View, and Kevin is branching out and doing some interviews. He's done a couple of interviews on the Friday show, uh, and he has one for us here that is a little little bit different from anything that we've done. Uh, we have uh, Arthy, uh, and I hope I'm uh, saying that right. I think I am. I've listened to the show, so it should be right. Uh, she is a high school student. She's a, a young activist who is just getting started. She's planned a couple of rallies uh, in her town and is is doing the work and is a great example of something that you know we we've been talking about it recently. We just talked about it yesterday on our Monday show about. Gen Z and you know basically the under 40 crowd, really the under 50 crowd uh, f- for sure, uh, You know, just sort of being tired of it and fed up and, and not willing to go along to get along and do it the same way. So great interview from Kevin uh, with Arthie and I hope you enjoy it quite a bit. If you're new to our show, make sure you check us out on social media at The Heartland Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook and Instagram with The Heartland Pod as well. Uh, and we do technically have a TikTok. I think maybe it's time, you know, for talking to, to younger folks. Maybe it's time that we have some TikToks going. I say that like I'm really old. I'm I'm not that old, but but hey, uh, if you're new, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. We hope you stick around. We've got content Monday through Friday. A big analysis show on Mondays that you can always catch and replay. All of our shows on uh, on the regular podcast feed are free. Big analysis show on Monday, chats on Tuesdays and Thursdays, a rotating combination on Wednesdays of the Delta and and High Country. And every Friday, come back and catch Kevin as he does the flyover review and recaps stories from the week from and impacting the heartland. All right, let's roll. Let's get to the chat and get to the show with Kevin.
1: Hi there folks. This is Kevin Smith. You may know me from the Flyover View on Fridays, but today I'm trying something a little bit different. I'm conducting my first kind of full scale interview. I know I've done little bits and pieces of ones for the Friday show, but you know, I ran into this individual at a couple of rallies that she was actually running herself and I wanted to get to know her better and let you all get to know her better. So if you will join me in welcoming Arthi Condopanini to the show, Arthi, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Kevin, thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining us here on the Heartland Pod. Uh, it's really cool to talk to people all over the state of Missouri, and I know Adam's had a chance to talk to candidates, and I've had a chance to talk to candidates. Uh, Rachel's even done an interview or two, but I feel like this is kind of a, a unique discussion point.
0: Let's have a chat.
1: You are an activist who has led uh, at least two rallies that I know of that I myself have been a part of just kind of being a fly on the wall. I, I may have spoken a little bit at the last one, but mostly I was just there to kind of hear the voices that you were bringing to the table with your work. And if you could just explain to me kind of a little bit about yourself, like where you're coming from and what led you to the point where you're leading pro-choice rallies?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I am based in Lake St. Louis, which is about 40 minutes out from the St. Louis metropolitan area. Basically growing up, my parents, they weren't super political or anything. My parents, they were kind of always hiding their political views from me because they wanted me to grow on my own and not have their influences Influence my thought process as much. So I became really interested in politics and social change right after the 2016 election. I feel like for a lot of people, that was a moment in time where they kind of woke up and they realized what's going on in the country. And for me, that was for me as well.
1: How old were you in 2016? Just out of curiosity.
2: I was not old at all. I just started middle school and I believe I was wow. 11 or 12. It, yeah, I was very young But yeah, that was kind of my start into politics. It's when I realized, like, our country, you know, if people aren't acting to put our country in the right direction, then it's going to keep going south. And that's what kind of, like, scared me.
1: Definitely. I I know 2016 was a wake-up point for a lot of people. But it's almost a little disheartening to hear that it was a wake-up point for someone in middle school. Uh, It feels like we shouldn't be facing that kind of of attack on our country's values, or at least on the sensibilities of a 12-year-old. I mean, my daughter is 12 years old. So I, I think about the fact that I, myself, as a parent, my daughter knows that I'm heavily involved in po- in politics. My son, who's 10, knows that I'm heavily involved in politics. But like your parents, I don't really make my case to them, essentially, because I feel like if I can help them stay a kid as long as they can, that I don't know, I somehow it might be better. And that could be right or wrong. Uh, and I'm kind of letting her and my son come to their political enlightenment on their own time, much the way you did. And it sounds like it really motivated you in 2016.
2: Yeah, it it really did. Throughout middle school, I was always like like you're saying, not a lot of middle schoolers are super politically active. And middle school me was very outspoken um, <laughs> about my views, about everything that I wanted to change in the country. Very outspoken. And my school, we come from Wentzville, it's like a very red area, I would say. And I was very not red. So all of like the thoughts i would put out there, everything that i would advocate for, people did not like that and it was it was hard in middle school because there were so many people disagreeing with me and so many people siding with their parents. But then in high school what i noticed that drastically changed was so many people i feel like they came to their political enlightenment and they started thinking for themselves more, breaking away from their parents' ideas and they started understanding at a deeper level what's going on in the country and they started also getting politically involved and i think and another thing that i think helped with that was i started an activism club at my school like i said we come from a conservative area it was so hard to get that approved most clubs they take about two weeks to approve Mine took, I think, five months. So it was a long process. Yeah, (laughs) it was a very long process for it. At first, I thought maybe like not too many people are going to join, maybe just me and a couple of friends. But then soon it started to grow and we were at 60 people. And I was like, oh, my God, I never realized how many young people are so interested in politics and social change just like me. And that really motivated me even more to stay involved with this battle and to continue advocating for what I believe in.
1: And I can tell you that when I was that age, I was not involved in politics at all. It was not even on my radar other than, you know, I would take a civics class. So I would be thinking, oh, how neat that we have three branches of government that check and balance one another, only to discover later later in life that those checks and balances don't happen. And with the frequency we sometimes wish yeah. they would.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you had, you have like almost 60 members. Is that currently how many members you have, or is it grown beyond that?
2: Currently it's 60 members. Usually at the beginning of the year, there's always more members because everyone's like right. yeah, I have to be passionate to be involved. And then near the end of the year, like the number, it decreases, but we're looking at an average of 60 people.
1: Well, and that takes some courage to go up against different mindsets and say, we want to have a discussion about this as students. And I know it took five months, some slight kudos to the staff at, uh, what is it? Winsville Holt? Is that where you attend? I,
2: I go to Winsville Liberty. So Winsville
1: if, if, Liberty. Yeah, okay. It's not uh, So yeah, a little bit of kudos to them for at least allowing it in the end, but, mm-hmm. uh, what was it like going up against the pressures from adults who were probably saying things like "You're too young to be dealing with this"? What was that like?
2: That was one of the biggest things I faced. Was not necessarily the staff members would say that. Growing up, a lot of I would hear a lot of like staff and teachers always like enjoy your childhood. You know, don't watch the news and get all stressed about that. And, hmm. I, and I always sat back and I thought, you know, I don't want to live blindly in this world. Like I want to understand what's going on because. Eventually, I will be a part of that world and I will be an adult and I will have to vote. I want to make educated decisions when I do vote. So I feel like always making sure that I was aware of what's going on was really important. And the staff members, I do understand where they're coming from because no one wants to be overly stressed and have the weight of their world on their back. But I I really do value understanding what's going on in our country and in our world and everything like that. But staff member wise, they were they were hesitant about the club and i can see why because activism club you know the name itself it sounds like a left-wing organization and it has become that but we always make sure to stress that activism comes in all forms on all sides so if you're really passionate about something that maybe is more right-wing activism club we can't stop you from doing that if you want to join the club and you want to advocate for for that um, on your own or with a different group that's your decision but the club has been very left-wing. When it first started, there was huge backlash from teachers, from students especially, but now everything's sort of calmed down.
1: Wow, and I I like that discussion you had about the fact that activism takes part in, in all sides mm-hmm. and how you're open to that. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of kind of our mission here at the heartland pod, which is to change the conversation. We throw that phrase around a lot. And part of changing that conversation is actually having a conversation that doesn't necessarily mean you need to walk away going, wow, everybody has their own side and everyone makes good points. Sometimes that means saying, well, your side is just objectively wrong and we need to <laughs> yeah. make that clear. But meeting people at the table and having those conversations can be really impactful. And it's nice to know that you're just, you're not immediately shutting people out. I mentioned at the beginning that I met you first at a pro-choice rally soon after uh, the leak. I... Didn't really know what I was going into. I've been to a few other rallies and protests, I uh, typically like Black Lives Matter rallies, especially that large one that was held in O'Fallon yeah. a few years back. This was my first pro-choice rally because honestly, just like everyone else, I was kind of sitting on my laurels, you know, thinking we're never going to see Roe versus Wade overturned. Mm-hmm. I knew the danger was kind of there, but I really, it wasn't, right in front of me. So after that leak happened, I went to the rally and I was honestly surprised to see the amount of youth there. But then once people started speaking, it really sort of made sense to me. So what was it like for you planning that rally? It's nothing that I've ever done before. So what's, what's that experience like?
2: So that rally, it was on May 28th. And I remember that because it was two days after my birthday, (laughs) but um, that was the first rally I ever planned. And I had a ton of help. So you mentioned before the large Black Lives Matter protest in O'Fallon. So the organizer of that, his name's Ryan Staples, he helped me out tremendously tremendously with the pro-choice rally that I planned. And he basically told me how to get in contact with the sheriff and how to talk with them so that we can do everything in a very safe and transparent manner. And he was a huge help with that. So planning that, it was kind of a very last minute thing. I kind of told my friends, literally look at what's going on in the country. We cannot just keep posting on social media and not actually go Mm -hmm. out and do something. And they were like, yes, I completely agree. So they helped me out a ton with that. We would sit in my basement for hours and we'd be painting signs and we'd be getting ready for the protest. And when the day of it finally came, I was very nervous that no one was going to show up. And I was so thrilled to see everyone that showed up and use their anger to fight back and say, we're here and we're not going to back down just because in our area, we may not be the majority. We know that our voices are still ones that need to be heard. And like you said, when people started speaking, that was so impactful to me because I opened the floor and I was like, does anyone want to speak? And it kind of went silent and no one really raised their hands. A few politicians came up, a few people running for office came up, but you know, no one really, no like kids or parents really wanted to speak. When they started coming up eventually later on into the rally and they started sharing their, their stories and why they're out here protesting and why they think that something needs to change, it inspired me a lot that people are willing to go against the crowd and speak their opinions.
0: Hey, guys, it's Adam. Just a quick break from the interview with Kevin and Arthie to remind you that we have our other shows Monday through Friday. Make sure to check them out if you're new to our feed. Just go ahead and hit the subscribe button, and if you could leave us a review, we would love it. A five-star rating goes a long way to helping other folks find this episode and other shows, and be sure to share it on your social media or just text it to a friend. Text the link really quickly while you're listening. We really appreciate you coming by to check us out here at the Heartland Pod. Check us out at heartlandpod.com and sign up for our Patreon to support what we're doing. Every little bit helps. We have a $2 a month level, and you can do that and make a big difference to help us change the conversation. Now back to the chat.
1: And that was something that
0: I definitely wanted to highlight. The two rallies that... uh, you've planned that
1: I've been to a, eh? have you planned other ones that I missed?
2: I haven't. I, okay. <laughs> I recently started organizing. I've been to a lot of protests and rallies before, but, but I've recently started organizing. Well, them. I
1: mean, Hey, that's, it's two in the span of like what, two months. So <laughs> you're doing pretty good there. It, your rallies have both turned into, you have the forceful introduction where everyone's, uh, chanting. And, uh, at the last one, where people essentially had a sing along on some of the songs. That was really neat. Uh, but it becomes a sharing circle. And it's an intersection mostly of women speaking to their experiences. And to see that cross section of older women who were there before Roe versus Wade now having to essentially come out of protesting retirement to speak on this issue again. And then to see women who benefited from that availability and then to speak with, to hear younger women talking about how they fear for their future. I mean, it's, it's uplifting, it's harrowing, it's disgusting at times to hear what has said. And oftentimes there's a rage that is justified. Last time, like I said, I actually said something uh, at the end, basically My echoing of the thoughts that you shouldn't have to be doing this, but the time before like, I just listened and a lot more listening needs to happen too. I I guess there really wasn't a question in there. I mostly just wanted to say how much I love the sharing circle mentality that it becomes.
2: Yeah, me too. I I love when people start sharing their experiences and their stories because so many times I feel like people will go to rallies and they'll hold up their signs and they'll be so angry, but they can't get that, that anger out. So in that sharing circle, I feel like people can go into that and they can share their stories, like I said, and just get all that anger out. So many people at the rally, they'll just go up there and they'll just be like, I am so angry at the government right now. And then they'll just walk off. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's completely fine because you're getting your anger out. You're getting your voice out there. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. So I love the sharing circles, just like, just like you said.
1: Yeah. And some of those folks are nervous as hell going up there and you could tell. And they just I don't know, it almost feels like I saw a lot of familiar faces, too, that were at the first rally. And it's it it was just like, oh, I remember them speaking at the first rally. And and they said even more this time. And that's really neat. So it's like I said at the at the rally when I spoke up. One of the things that I wanted to highlight is that you shouldn't have to be here. You sh- This shouldn't be a, a discussion. The, these rallies shouldn't be happening for this discussion. I mean, the truth of it is, is they are. But if you were to look at the world today and subtract this, let's say a woman's right to bodily autonomy was still in place. Like what would be the type of protest you would like to see? What would you like to be trying to further?
2: I actually have two answers to this question. I want to focus more of my energy onto gun control because that's literally killing so many adults, kids, teenagers every single day. Since Sandy Hook, there's been over a thousand school shootings and that terrifies me. Sandy Hook was it was elementary school kids. And at the time of Sandy Hook, I was also in elementary school. And my dad, he always tells me how terrified he was because every time he saw Sandy Hook come up on the news, he thought of me going to school every day and waiting at the bus stop and getting on the bus and going to school. And that breaks my heart. And then he would tell me that after Sandy Hook, when he saw that nothing changed then, he knew that with March for Our Lives, because he took me to the march in D.C., he knew that nothing was going to change there. And it wouldn't get into you know legislators' heads that something needs to change. And that breaks my heart because Mm. we need those universal background checks. We need a national licensing and registry for guns. And I feel like there is no simple answer, but I feel like that answer is very simple. We we can protect the Second Amendment, but we also need to protect Americans and people coming into America. People come here for safety from their country, but yet in our country, there's mass shootings happening like every week. There's mass shootings happening on Independence Day. I feel like As a country, we need to take a step back and look at that and realize that something needs to change. We need to pass laws so that we can protect people.
1: You're absolutely right. And I I know that after Rivaldi, I mean, those kids were my son's age. And so that, like your dad, like that hit me really hard, even more so. I mean, every school shooting has been something that has affected me in a different way and obviously affected the country a different way. But that one hit me extra hard. Uh, And you said you had a second answer to.
2: Yeah, this one isn't this one isn't focused in the U.S. It's more like overseas in India. So my parents, they both immigrated here from India, my grandparents as well. And something that I really noticed there, even though I wasn't born and brought up there, I still have very tight cultural roots there and ties there is colorism. And that is very overlooked there, I feel like. Colorism, basically, in India, most people are Indian. There's this huge socioeconomic gap between North Indians and South Indians. And one of the main factors in that is that North Indians, they're a lot lighter skinned than South Indians. So personally, my family, we come from South India, and we see that colorism firsthand. My cousin just last year he was begging his parents to buy him skin lightening stuff so he oh, can wow. be. yeah I, and it's it's so heartbreaking that people they, they feel like they can't embrace their natural skin color so going back to that socioeconomic gap is the lighter skin indians like we see in america too with racism lighter skin people in india are usually offered jobs or higher paying jobs than darker skin indians because darker ones are seen as non-truthful or like they're sneaky or they're just non intelligent. And that has very lasting effects with, generational poverty. And coming from South India myself or having my family come from South India, it's it's devastating to see how in one country like that, there can be so many gaps and division.
1: And, and it is important for folks to sometimes, especially Americans, to sometimes see outside of their country and see the geopolitical realm and notice that other countries have issues that need voices too. And- Americans have a tendency to be a little myo- myopic and yeah. unfortunately, a lot of times xenophobic too.
2: We have so many so many resources to learn outside of our own country. So I'm hoping more people are going to pay attention yeah. to
1: And I know that at the last rally, your grandmother actually spoke and said that she recently gained citizenship. What does that mean for your family? Would immigration be a topic that would be pretty important to you and your family?
2: It would be. Thankfully, my my grandparents, they didn't struggle with getting their citizenship as much as some of my friends do. So my friend, um, I don't know if she'd like her name in this, but she started this organization called The Hidden Dream. And it basically focuses on teenagers or people aged like 16 to 21 that have the green card backlog. And I don't know too much about Mm -hmm. it, but I would tell everyone to check out The Hidden Dream. And she's still struggling to get her citizenship, even though she's lived here since I think she was two years old. That is like an immigration problem that I feel like America really needs to fix. Because if my friend has been going to school here for her entire life, and she goes to college now in America as well, then this is her home. She's been living here her entire life she knows the customs here. She can't be sent back to a country where she doesn't know those customs. And that's an immigration problem that definitely needs to be fixed in America.
1: Absolutely. I I have a good friend of mine uh, whose name I won't name drop until I know he's okay with it, Uh, but he's a dreamer himself. And it's just one of those things, like you meet him and you talk to him. He's, he's an American. Like he, This is all he's ever known. He didn't find out until he was going to college that he was not a citizen. Uh, He just had always assumed he was. And the hardship that it's brought him is pretty disheartening. And I know that under the Obama era, they had begun to try and rectify things Mm -hmm. with the DREAM Act. And then obviously, when Trump came to power, it all of that was kind of scuttled. And I was hoping to see the Biden administration bring more focus in on that issue. But unfortunately, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. And that's one of the areas I've definitely had a bit of criticism for the Biden administration.
2: I completely agree with that. But I wish the Biden administration would pay more attention to that. But ultimately, it hasn't come up yet. And I'm hoping that there is going to be more of a push towards that in the coming coming weeks. But we can only wait and see.
1: So for you, you've already done so much. Um, I noticed uh, in my research of you, thanks to the internets, that like you have like a president service award uh, for some of your volunteerism and you have your activism club and you've done two rallies now far more than I've had ever done politically by the time I was your age. But what does the future look like for you? What, not that you have to sit down and plan things all out right now. But is, is there anything in the near future or further future that you hope for yourself?
2: Um, Well, I am applying to college this fall. So that's, That's exciting and scary at the same time.
1: Any particular Uh, school? Are you still looking around?
2: (laughs) I'm still looking around, but I want to go to a city for sure, because those are very like political hotspots, D.C., New York, somewhere on the East Coast, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah, more where I'm looking, but that that's coming up, and my senior year is also coming up. I want to major in political science and economics, just so I can like get a feel for um, the economy and poli sci. Because I feel like a lot of people are always like, "Oh, I'm fiscally conservative, but socially liberal." I wanna I wanna find that balance there, you know? Yeah, that's what I want to major in, and I'm hoping to pursue a career in politics. But I know it's very risky. But you know what? Life is full of risks, so. I'm just going to try to take it.
1: Well, I know I, for one, will be very interested to see where you go from here. And oh my gosh, for some reason, I thought you were a senior this year. I didn't realize you still had a whole year of high school left to complete. Yeah. So at least uh, we've got you in the neighborhood for a little bit longer.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: Arthi... I, I definitely. I wanted to say, again, reiterate just kind of how cool it is, some of the work that you're doing. I certainly hope that your activism club prospers beyond uh, you graduating from high school. I like seeing the good work out of Winsville.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on this show. I had a great time and I was able to share my viewpoint, which I really value.
1: Well, th- I thank you for coming on the show. I mean, you're a wonderful person to meet and I'm glad to have your voice out there.
2: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.
0: The Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a pod head or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.